welcome back to the Brandon Joe podcast. For this podcast episode, our guest is Dr. Islam. He received his master's from Farley Dickinson University and his PhD from Hofstra University. He is the vice president of consulting for Talent Metrics and has taught classes at multiple universities. And he is also our professor for training and development at Hofstra. Welcome, Dr. Islam. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, you know, the first time I've been on a podcast with a student that's currently in my class, though uh, there is a former student, Ali Saligalu, whose podcast I was on, I think after he finished. So, you know, this is like a very Hofstra thing. Was it called like the Midnight Student? <laughs> Midnight Student. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, that was, you know, he did that for a while. He has a, I think he hit like 12 episode something like that i remember i think we talked about a little bit we like i was like oh this seems like a cool idea and then brandon and i the last semester our first semester we're like oh maybe we actually can do this here we are (laughs) yeah we reached out to him actually we were thinking of using his platform but we ended up doing our own thing anyways (laughs) It, it it's hard like the the you know the handoff is difficult between you know uh, you know, if you're trying to use the same, it, it's the same with like the social media pages for Hofstra. Like somebody was running a Twitter account, and now I don't think anybody knows how to log into it anymore. <laughs> we have a Twitter account. It's got maybe six followers, but if you want to hear me babble, <laughs> please follow. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to build up the Instagram and the Twitter. It's been a process, but. I guess we could start off with the most important question to ask you. Um, are Joe and I your favorite students? I, obviously, obviously, yes, because I agreed to be on it, uh, because I agreed to spend time with you beyond our class time. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to hang out with everybody, you know, virtually on a podcast. But uh, we're going to clip yeah. that and put it at the end of our presentation for our final project. There we go. That's. You know, I, I'm going to have to deduct points for that, but we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you for, uh, so I think our, this episode is mainly going to talk about uh, your book about leadership in the MCU. Um, is there a reason that you picked the MCU over uh, DC? Um, did you... is it... So mostly, so this is mostly a marketing thing, um, you know. Marvel has had more movies and they've been better received than uh, the DC movies for the most part, other than um, other than like Batman. Uh, and so if you're trying to get a book off the ground and appeal to a publisher and, you know, you want to tell the publisher like, hey, people are going to buy this thing. Um, you know, Marvel was a good uh, first step for us. Um you know, I would love to write one about uh, some of the DC movies. Um, though I actually, I don't know if I mentioned this in class, but I do think that the DC TV shows, but specifically the animated shows, have a lot of very good leadership information and good examples. Uh, so like Young Justice has a lot of really good uh, discussion of leadership, who should be a leader. Um, I think, you know, um, Justice League Unlimited has a lot of good questions around that so i'm a big fan of the animated universe for um you know for dc uh, in addition to the movies you know and i think there's a lot of good stuff there i think the marvel um stuff has become so ubiquitous in pop culture like it you can't escape it 
you know, and, and, and for me, as like a long time Marvel fan from like when I was six or seven years old to like have a big bunch of Ant-Man movie is insane because if I talk to people in high school about Ant-Man, I, you know, people are just going to walk away. They're like, who's, <laughs> who's this doofus that wants to talk about Ant-Man? Um, to now having like some of the biggest stars, you know, uh, I mean, Michael Douglas, who, you know, for, for you guys, probably not a huge star, but when I was a kid, he was a huge star. He was in big movies. He's even an Ant-Man movie. He plays like the original Ant-Man. It, that's completely wild. Um, Captain America Winter Soldier to have, um, you know, Robert Redford, one of the biggest all-time, you know, movie stars to play a character in, in, in ostensibly a Captain America movie, which is very, very strange. So that was a really big reason why, because we knew we could get people excited. Uh, the other reason I think is because both Gordon and I, we've used MCU examples in class. So especially for like undergraduates, if we're talking about, you know, an example of leadership or sometimes when I talk about selection, I talk about Nick Fury and how does he know to select the Avengers? You know, how does he know Tony Stark isn't the right person to be on the team? He does the psyche eval. You know, what kind of evaluations would you do? So those are things that students can kind of engage with. Um, and I, th I think the publisher kind of was, was into that. They had already published um, a book on Star Wars, uh, which is the manager's guide to using the Force. Uh, they had a, a Tolkien book, like a Lord of the Rings leadership book in the pipeline. Um, and so they've got a couple of others that are coming out. Um, I think there's one about Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I think there's another one about um, Hunger Games that, that might be on the you know might be on the list. Uh, and then we're writing another one about. Um, Maybe maybe one of my favorite uh, cartoons because I'm an adult man who likes cartoons. Uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. So we're working on that too. You're gonna have a lot of new awesome. content coming out for that, right? Because aren't they coming out with like a Avatar Studios thing, and they're coming out with movies and shows and everything? Yes, I take full credit for bringing Avatar back. <laughs> uh, with yeah, so like you know, I think uh, Netflix has a show coming out, but then the original creators of Avatar are um they're putting together a bunch of new movies and, and tv shows but i mean in this day and age like every uh studio has its own like network so they just need stuff you know like sometimes i'll i'll be flipping through netflix or hulu or whatever and i see these movies and i'm like this is a pretty big actor what what are they doing like the most recent person is keanu reeves he will show up I'll be flipping through something on streaming and I'll be like, why is he in this movie? This movie, like just from the description, I know it's bad. <laughs> so why are you, why is Keanu Reeves in this? Uh, but he's in just a bunch of like very random movies um, that I found recently. And he was in cyberpunk. Yeah, he was, he was the, he was the, he was the model for that character. You see the same with like, uh, I saw like Nick Cage Bruce, Bruce Willis, like, it was just like on Hulu, it's like this random movie. I was yeah. like, what is he doing in this? <laughs> well, Nick Cage uh, had tax problems, right? Like, I know, actually did hear that, uh, yeah. <laughs> he had tax problems. So he was just, he, like, if I met his quote, he would just show up to, like, an opening of something, you know, if, if you paid him enough money. And then Bruce Willis, I think, had something similar. He He figured out that he had, like, this degenerative 
um, health issue, and I think he was just trying to rack up as much money. Um, oh, that makes sense. As he could before before he got you know before he was unable to. But there's actually an interesting article about the the movie business uh, because I don't I don't fully understand how movies make money. Uh, but there was a whole thing about how there are these old man action movies where you get kind of a recognizable face on a poster, and then you can sell the rights to the movie, and then the person's only in it for like ten minutes, and the rest of the movie is like some other random actor. Ah, it's like a like a clickbait. <laughs> You know, I've been hearing you talk about Marvel and all of the information about that. And I think it's really interesting. I feel like our role as IO psychologists is not always an easy one because we have to put information in terms that people can't always understand. I was wondering, like, was that the purpose of this research to try and create something that you can use Mm -hmm. for leadership to discuss all the different terms that we normally would use? Because everybody's seen Marvel, it's probably a lot easier mm. to talk about leadership in terms of the Marvel Cinematic mm. Universe when looking at this. Was that like the plan behind this research? Yeah. So like, you know, one of the things that we wanted to be able to do was there's a lot of leadership theory out there and there's a lot of books that are like, they're not great quality, but, you know, pretty much anybody can write a leadership book. There's lots of people that have and the ideas aren't rooted in anything. And so one of the goals that we had with the book was to, you know, sure, we were going to talk about, you know, Marvel movies and we're going to use examples from that, but we tried to stay rooted in um, in the science of leadership. And there's a lot of good research in, in the space. There's some things that we know in a variety of different topic areas. And I think that um, especially when you're talking to people that are outside of IO or even people who are outside of like the leadership space a little bit, um, <clears throat> it can get overwhelming. And there are a lot of um, bad ideas around what makes a leader, who should be a leader. Um, you'll notice that sometimes uh, in some of the leadership theory, we talk about things like leadership prototypes. So people have very specific ideas about who should be a leader. Uh, usually they're, you know, white males, you know, um, between a particular age, um and so that's very limiting so rather than kind of you know one of the one of the good things about the mcu is that there's a lot of different types of leaders one of the things that isn't in the book that uh gordon and i ended up you know kind of figuring out for ourselves was when we were thinking about who the best leader in the mcu was we we kind of think that the best leader in the mcu might be black widow which is like not any like nobody if you ask somebody on the street who do you think the best leader is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, they'll say, oh, it's going to be Captain America, it'll be Iron Man, it'll be Black Panther, somebody along those lines. But what we figured out was, uh, from watching all the movies, uh, and really the book is an excuse for us to just watch all the movies uh, again um, and tell our wives and our kids, like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're doing work now watching, you know, Black Panther. Um, but one of the big things is you know, uh, and one of the great illustrations here with Black Widow is that she's put on a glass cliff. So a glass cliff is, you've, you've heard of the glass ceiling, right? Which is, you know, uh, women can't get promotions because they're, you know, they're not seen as leaders, though they're stuck behind the glass ceiling. The glass cliff is when, uh, you know, a woman or somebody from a you know minority background, they're given an opportunity to lead, 
but it's in a terrible situation. It's in like a really bad situation. So if you if you remember the movies, um, after the after Thanos blips everybody, there's a five year period where we don't we don't really know what happens. We've gotten a little glimpse of it, but Black Widow is running the Avengers at that time. She's keeping things together. Like Iron Man said, I'm I'm gonna have a family now. This seems like a good time for me to have a family. Captain America is like helping veterans and helping, you know, giving counsel to people, but he's not really a part of the Avengers anymore. And so it's Black Widow and Captain Marvel and, uh, you know, War Machine that are kind of running things. And that's such a great example. And we, we've been, you know, thinking about, I don't know, we might have tweeted at Marvel that they need to do a Black Widow movie during that time where she's running the Avengers just so we can see what that was like. You know, so if we want to give an example in class or if I want to talk to an organization about what I mean when I say a glass cliff, that's an example that I can provide. Um, so it's kind of like setting them up to fail in a way. Yeah. Like putting them in that position, like knowing that it's going to be really hard and they'll probably fail. Be yeah. like, oh, maybe this yeah. is why she's not a good leader, even though like no one would have been a good leader. Yeah, that, that, that is very often the case. And so one of the things that happens is that organizations want to get the brownie points for saying... Yeah, we had yeah we we had a woman once. It didn't really work out. We probably don't need a woman now that things are better. You know, we we tried it, didn't really work out, right? So um, I think that's one of the really cool things about the Marvel movies. You can have these conversations. The other really good thing um, is because the movies are all interconnected, you can kind of see growth across characters over time, right? Like Iron Man's not the same guy that he was in Iron Man one. He's definitely not the same person that he is by the time Endgame rolls around. Um, you know, when you see Thor, Thor goes through all these different permutations of who he's going to be. He gains weight, loses weight. He is happy, he's depressed. So that gives us a lot of kind of opportunities to watch people grow and change. And that's a big part of leadership development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask, because you say that in the MCU that there's growth and you could see them like form the team. And I know one part in your book was uh, uh, potential for leaders or just looking at potential and people. Um, if we go back to like the DC versus Marvel argument, I know in the DC that some of the lack of movies was that they, it was kind of like the lack of the justice league, even though they had movies like they they didn't really see that team. Would you be able to look at the potential for leaders in like a DC movie, even though there's like, not a solidified team versus I know Marvel since like the first movie, you kind of see them working together. Um, yeah. I mean, I think in the DC universe, actually, I think you do see some growth. Um, so w one big difference between me and my co-author Gordon is he, he doesn't like the Zack Snyder, uh, you know, DC movies. I actually like them because I'm, uh, I'm I'm a sick person that watches a lot of horror movies and watches a lot of weird movies. So I'm like, kind of I'm I'm interested in the vibe of of those movies. And so you see a real change in Batman, actually, in in Ben Affleck's Batman when he gets introduced in Batman v Superman. Uh, which if you if you have to watch the movie, watch the ultimate cut, the longer cut. Do not watch the theatrical version, which is like a movie I came out of like. Uh, swearing, like, just really, I genuinely hated the theatrical cut of the movie. It's like an extra 30 um, minutes, right? Of It is an extra 30 minutes, yeah. but the 30 minutes makes a huge difference. No, I, yeah. <laughs> the movie makes sense. 
in a way that it it doesn't work in the theatrical version. Like, if you have a choice, if you're going to watch a Zack Snyder movie, always watch the longer version because he lets things kind of like marinate for a bit. Um, so he's, you know, he's in, in that movie, Batman is like so unhappy. And, you know, he's been, you know, you know, fighting a war against crime for 20 years. He really hasn't made um, a big change. And then he sees Superman, who's practically a god on Earth. He's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm obsolete. And he doesn't know what to do in that situation. And then in the in Zack Snyder's Justice League, he basically realized that my, my role is I have to put together a team of these superpowered people that can then battle against these things that a regular human can't handle that you know like he's not going to be the one to beat dark side he needs to kind of facilitate these superpowered beings and this is kind of like um you know in the in the comic books there's a guy named grant morrison i think uh correct pronoun is they sorry sorry grant uh but grant morrison uh has written maybe like one of the more popular jla runs um like the early 2000s, he wrote a very popular run where uh, sort of the stuff that we know about Batman, um, you know, where he's like super planner, he can kind of beat anybody if you give him enough time. A lot of that stuff is established. And some of that is in uh, is in the Zack Snyder Justice League movie because he's got, you know, he puts together a team, he's kind of, you know, uh, rolling with the punches and he is able to get the most out of people that, that don't really get along or, you know, have never worked with one another before. Uh, and one of the things we talk about in in our book with the Marvel movies is that you need a big enough threat to get superpowered individuals to work together, right? A lot of times when you think of teams um, in team sports, soccer, basketball, whatever, you need the whole group in order to accomplish that. Um, but in superhero movies team-ups are, are closer, especially like the Avengers and Justice League, they're closer to like doubles tennis, <laughs> right? Like, you know, uh, you know yes, shout out to you, Brandon. Uh, I, I, yeah, I thought about this before. I was like, I got to sneak in a tennis reference for him. <laughs> you know, but you have like Venus and Serena Williams, they're playing doubles. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's two Wonder Women right there. You know, they, they can each do their own thing and dominate on their own, but then how do you get them to work together you know, and they're used to just doing whatever they want. Um, and that's a big issue with, with the Avengers too, is each of those Avengers characters, they have their own movies, they have their own villain. Who's a big enough villain? Who's a big enough threat for you to put everybody together and have them face that? Um, whereas like a team like Guardians of the Galaxy, they don't have their own separate stories. Or maybe, you know, maybe they'll have miniseries or, you know, they'll have their little shorts like Groot, um, you know, or whatever, you know. Uh, my son watches those all the time. He really loves them. So that's why those Groot shorts are playing in the house very often. But you don't have them, you know, you don't have those stories very, very much. And they work together. They're much more naturally built to be a team, right? Whereas the Avengers, you know, like, you know, they're used to doing their own thing, making their own choices. So getting them to work together is really, really important. And so uh, you can even see there in that example, if you were to consult with a, with a company and you use these different examples and say, hey, you've got the super team of the Avengers, and then you've got this kind of like steady work team in the Guardians of the Galaxy. You can see people can connect with those, uh, but you have to be really careful about that because 
some companies or some organizations, some individual um, leaders, they're not going to be down for these examples. So you kind of <laughs> have to pick and choose uh, what works depending on the organization. Yeah, it, it makes sense. If only every CEO was a was a Marvel geek, maybe uh, <laughs> these PowerPoint slides and meetings would go a bit easier. <laughs> maybe the, the pictures would at least be better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Marvel. We're talking about DC, and I just kind of wanted to ask you, um, what's your favorite? example of leadership within the mcu and is that also your favorite superhero uh, so I, I i have two <clears throat> examples of, of leadership that i really like uh one is uh from um one is from captain america the first avenger um and so he's not you know i grew up with captain america he's not necessarily my favorite uh marvel character he's one of my favorites but um the the scene that I always use and that I like talking about uh, is around servant leadership. And there's a scene where he doesn't have any powers yet. He's like training, uh, you know, at, at camp at the um, at the you know the soldier camp. I forget the name of it now, but he is training there. And <clears throat> there's a discussion happening to the side between Doctor Erskine, the guy who has created the super soldier serum, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character, who's like the military guy. And he's saying, you know, he's saying like, no, this guy's too small. He's not big enough. He's not going to have the right qualities that uh, we need to be a super soldier. And Dr. Erskine's remark is, no, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good man. That's what we need more than anything else. And to prove that he's not strong enough, uh, they throw a grenade at him. They throw a grenade at all of the, the soldiers that are working out. And Steve Rogers, no powers, no nothing. He's the only he's the only one that jumps on the grenade, and that's like a great way to illustrate what servant leadership is. But it's also just a great scene to illustrate what um, Captain America is all about, and you know what you hope your leaders are really going to be about—that they're genuine, that they're going to be there for you, that they're going to protect you when when others aren't there. Uh, the other example. And, and this this might be my favorite character in the MCU is uh, is from Black Panther, and I think Black Panther does a couple of things that you don't see a lot in most superhero movies. Um, most superhero movies, you end up seeing uh, the hero end up taking out the villain at some point. So if you think about the '89 Batman, uh, Joker dies at the end, right? And you know there's some argument about whether or not Batman's responsible for for that, and um, you know, there are other <clears throat> other examples from other, you know, movies like Blade takes out takes out all the vampires, that's his thing. Um, you know, Iron Man takes out Iron Monger. So, you know, there's always this this moment where um somebody, you know, the villain is, is removed. He's take they've taken off the board. And Black Panther in two different movies does not do that. In his introduction in Captain America Civil War he meets the guy who kills his father, uh, Baron Zemo. I don't know. I don't know if he has the title of Baron yet. That might be a spoiler for everybody. But you know, Baron Zemo. Um, you know, and he. You know, Z, you know, Zemo has like destroyed the Avengers, and you know, uh, T'Challa looks at him and says, you know, like I'm not going to kill you. Uh, the world's not done with you yet. 
there's still something that you can do. You have to face, he has to face some kind of justice, but it's not going to be Black Panther just killing him. Even though, theoretically, he's justified in killing him because he killed his father. And then you see this again in uh, the Black Panther solo movie, where Killmonger, uh, he stabs him, and, you know, in their big final fight, and they're on the cliff overlooking the, the sunset, and, you know, he tells Killmonger, he's like, look, I still have time to save your life. You can contribute something. You can give something of yourself to our community. You're still Wakandan. And Killmonger tells him, nah, nah I, I, I can't do that. I'm just bury me in the ocean. And I think that's something that is, oh, and actually he does it a third time when he deals with M'Baku, who's his enemy in the beginning of the movie. And because he doesn't kill him, comes back and helps him. And I think that's a great lesson for business leaders and for, you know, uh, for everybody, because a lot of times when you think about leadership, we think about things as like a zero sum game. Either somebody is going to make it or they're not going to make it. Or, you know, I have all the power. I have none of the power. And I think that lesson is so powerful for, um, for new leaders that, you know, you might have conflict with somebody, but that doesn't mean things are over with them doesn't mean you have to get rid of that person they still serve a purpose there's something there and i found that to be a good example uh you know with coaching clients and with students to kind of illustrate those those ideas it's a great answer so kind of summing it up to like put putting putting faith in like your uh your servants or the people that you're leading um i guess as we saw maybe yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean it might blow up in your face right like (laughs) You know, and, and we see this a lot in comic books, not not really in the movies, but in the comic books, you know, everybody was asked, like, why, why doesn't Batman just kill the Joker? You know, he's, he's committed so much murder and so much crime, but, you know, you need you need the villains to live so you can have more stories. Right. That's really. Yeah, um, it's really the reason. But you know. I like the I think he says, like, once you once he crosses that line, it's like that's like the only thing that separates him from the Joker is like that that killing. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it is. It is a. It is an interesting thought. Uh, I remember reading in, or I read a snippet from from your book where you're talking about the leaders and, like, say the Avengers goes and fights Loki at Asgard. Um, Thor is going to have the most knowledge, or maybe if they fight Ultron. Um, and I know the comics are different from the movies, but in the movies it was Tony Stark um, and uh, why can I think of his name? Mark Ruffalo's character, um, Bruce Banner. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, that created Ultron, so maybe they may have the most knowledge. Would it be safe to say that in in, in a group or in a team, there can be like a diverse leadership, or do you see the most uh, maybe effectiveness when you have just one strong leader in every single scenario? So <clears throat> this is this is going to be my most IO psychology answer, which is it depends, <laughs> right? Sometimes. You know, if you ever look at situational leadership theory, um, they talk about like directive, participatory, you know, styles of leadership, and they give you some ideas about when you need to give direction, when you need to get people to participate. So it really depends on the situation. So if you're, if your team needs guidance in those moments, you're not going to look at the team and be like, hey, everybody, let's talk about what we should do next. Because your team's already told you, like, I don't know what to do. So they need direction, right? Uh, In another situation, 
uh, you need participation, right? So if you're going to build a giant killer robot, maybe talk to your team members before you do that. Um, <laughs> one of the funny, like, uh, one of the funny criticisms of like the characters that you see on the internet is uh, people will say like, "Oh, Tony Stark's uh, at fault for all the problems in every Avengers movie, right? He's the reason there's Ultron. You know, he's the reason that we don't have like the Thanos doesn't snap." I'm like, sure, but. You know, we, we also got to see some cool stuff. Because we need a storyline. Like, if you know, if, 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 if they just killed the villain the first five minutes, like, yeah, maybe they could have. But then you don't get a big CGI battle at the end of, you know, a massive yeah. movie. <laughs> and the whole MCU starts with him. So he's the reason that we have basically everything. No, you're right. It is it is cool. Um, I know we're, we're ending off on our getting back on our time right now. Um, Maybe we could have an episode where we don't even talk about IO. We could just talk about our favorite <laughs> shows and movies. <laughs> um, but I know we wanted to end off. Um, if I know a lot of students listen to this podcast, uh, would you have any tips um, or ideas for people getting into the field or maybe the grad students in right now, uh, just how they could succeed or like uh, things that maybe you've done that they could replicate? Um. So, I mean, I think the reason that um, <clears throat> I, I think the reason that I've been successful, or you know, you know, I, I think there are a couple of things you've got to think about. Number one is uh, you have to define success for yourself, right? Like, what does what does success look like? Is it I'm going to run my own company? Is it that I'm going to be CHRO? You know, what what does success look like? What do you most want to get out of the field? And, you know, kind of identify what you like about it, what you enjoy, you know, if it, that can be any number of things. It could be, um, I just want a job, which is, I think, one of the biggest reasons why students enter into the field um, is because they think, you know, I, I hear the story a lot where students say like, oh, I was interested in clinical, but clinical sounds like, it, you know, it's really hard to get a job. And I wasn't that interested in helping people, but I, I, I like IL, right? And that's totally, totally valid, totally acceptable. Um, you should absolutely think about that as like a, you know, consideration, like, you know, is it, is the field something where you think, okay, I'm going to, you know, try to, you know, maximize my career. I, I think I can, you know, do some stuff there. Uh, or, you know, are you, you know, uh, interested in, in research? Are you interested in exploring some of the core questions of, you know, the field? Is there something there that you really want to uh, that, that you want to get out of it, and that'll guide you into the right place. Um, and, and part of the reason I, I say that is because I get this question all the time from my undergrads about whether they need to go and pursue a PhD or then they need to pursue a master's. And I always ask them, like, what do you want to do? And if it's, if it's like, oh, I want to work in HR or I want to work in talent development or something like that, you know, you don't need a PhD to do any of those things. Like, um, and so I think kind of defining that and understanding that about yourself is really important. Um, and then the second thing is I want to, I'll echo something that somebody said in, in our class, which was, um, I would say yes to a lot of things. And I actually, before this, uh, joining you, uh, on this episode, I listened to your episode with Laura Bishop, um, who is somebody that I follow on Twitter, but I, I don't know her at all. Uh, so it was really, it was just interesting to hear about like what, what she's doing. And she talked about like saying yes to a lot of things. 
Um, and I think that you should say yes to the things that seem to vibe with you that are that are of interest to you. Um, and that's how you build connections. That's how you build networks. And that's how you find opportunity. Um, I think another one of our, um, you know, our, our class guest speakers, I think Sasha mentioned that, that um, you know, she gets referrals from her classmates or, you know, from her friend group. I think that's also true there is like, if you say yes to participating in things, you're going to hear back uh, and get more opportunities from that process. You know, um, I'm still in touch with students that graduated, you know, a, a long time ago, and they'll tell me about opportunities, um, you know, for internships or for jobs or other things. You know, uh, I got a, I got a number of emails from, from students in your class about like looking for internships. And so I started reaching out to my network and seeing like, you know, what people might have. Um, so I think those are things that, uh, you know, you want to consider like, okay, can I say yes to these projects? Um, you know, is it, does it something, is it something that aligns with my career goals, what I really want? And should I, should I say yes to this? Um, and if you do that, uh, I think you're going to find all sorts of, all sorts of opportunities. So when I was in grad school, uh, at FDU, I said yes to a lot of things that in retrospect, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't even know how I did all these things. Um, you know, I, I genuinely, I don't, it's like a blur. I don't remember. Uh, when I was at, at, at Hofstra in the PhD program, I said yes to a bunch of projects. Um, and I was like, you know, thinking back to that, that time period, I was like, wow, I was, you know, I definitely didn't have a family because all I was doing was like reading research articles and doing these other things. But those led to other opportunities. Those led to other outcomes that were of value. Um, and so if you can consistently kind of like, you know, make sure that you, you're, you're doing the things that are helping you in, your, in terms of your career. And then in turn, uh, line that up with opportunities uh, because the more opportunities you take on, the more um, things, you know, open the door, you know, they open the doors for you, right? And that'll, that'll help you in the long run. Um, especially, even though PSYOP and, and IO feels really big, it's actually not. It's actually a very small field, very small area. Um, everybody knows one another. And usually, you know, you can get referrals to things, you know, through those informal networks. And that's actually something that I think students should know is that I, I know we're all about like using the correct selection system and, and having the right approach, but there's still this like hidden network of jobs that are out there uh, and internships for IO students. And you just have to leverage your faculty and other contacts to kind of find those. Wow, that was a really long answer for a very short question. No, I think both answers are great. Um, you know, I think the really cool thing that you said was about defining what success looks like for you. You know, we could have all these different guests on here and they can talk about the ways that they got into the career that they have. But at the end of the day, it's what does that success metric look like to you? And I just think that's awesome advice for our listeners out there who are trying to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, I wanted to bring up to the thing that you said about how IO is a big field, but then it's also kind of small. Um, mm -hmm. I know when you meet people, you're like, oh, I'm an IO. And you're like, oh, I'm an IO too. Uh, mm -hmm. It is, you kind of already have that small connection. Um, mm -hmm. So I think if you are starting out in the field and you just kind of message people that are also in IO on LinkedIn or however you get in contact with them. Um, 
they're kind of prone to like people like helping each other out when you're in the same sort of field. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why networking, like, you know, not just connecting with them through social media, but even meeting people, you know, if you went to the Metro career day, you probably met a bunch of folks that were hopefully cool and nice. And, you know, even if they didn't have a job now or a internship this time, you might be able to reach out to them later and, you know, find something. So there's always, there's always those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You could even look at this podcast as an example of the field of IO and how small it is because Joe and I have been doing this now for only six months and we've been able to grow our network. And it's really interesting how fast the word travels around here and how many people you can talk to in such a short period of time. It's really awesome. We talk about all the time. Brandon and I are like so happy that these people want to talk to us. <laughs> you know, three months ago we'd be like, we've never would really have thought, but um, they people like to to talk about what they do and talk to us and give us the yeah. experience. Well, you know, everybody remembers being a student, and you know, there's always that idea that you want to pay it forward, right? That you can, um, you know, I, I take very ser- I, I take it pretty seriously that like. Um, I think I might have mentioned this in class that like, you know, for you, uh, for you guys, like I'm training future colleagues, right? Uh, you're learning things that you're going to be doing in the future. And then, you know, uh, it's not, it's not like, oh, you know, you graduate, don't, don't let the door hit you on your way out. It's really like, okay, if there's a problem or something that you need help with that you want to talk through, I'm happy to do that. And all of your faculty, all of these other connections that you're meeting, they're happy to do that too. And that's part and parcel with the field. And that's kind of what makes IO sort of fun uh, is you can have those sorts of relationships with people. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Thanks for your, uh, your kind remarks. <laughs> I know a lot of people will be able to learn from this episode. And if you do go to Hofstra, uh, I mean, I was going to say, make sure you take a class, but they're pre-picked. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they have to, even if they didn't want to take one, they're probably, like, <laughs> you'll be forced. You know, <laughs> Yeah, so at least at least training and development, they'll they'll be you know forced to take with me. So definitely yeah. the best training and development professor. <laughs> you haven't had any others. So it's, really, it's a great comparison. There's like nobody. There's some imaginary guy that you're comparing me to that probably looks a lot like Thanos, and you're like, oh, he's he's better than Thanos. Okay, not gonna snap me out of existence. So. Well, thank you for joining us today, Doctor Islam. Uh, excited for this episode to go out, and I know. Yeah, a lot of people will. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I like talking about this stuff, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, other people benefit from it. And uh, I hope, you know, uh, I hope you guys have continued success with this podcast because this has, you know, been, you know, uh, pretty impressive. How many uh, episodes you've been able to do, and uh, this is super cool and exciting. Yeah, well, we're putting them out, no matter what. <laughs> this is by the way good experience for you if you want to pursue like e-learning careers like this is there are companies that have their own internal podcasts so yeah interesting (laughs) uh thank you so much thanks of course all right i'll see you later take care bye-bye uh we want to thank dr islam for coming on um I know me and Brandon like nerding out with him about the DC and Marvel movies. It was actually kind of cool seeing like making it an IO related topic with the superheroes. 
Yeah, I think it's one of those things that we talk about all the time in class. And it's like, how can we take that knowledge, like from a scientific realm and bring it into the business world? You know, I really see that as I see that book as something that can be really beneficial for a lot of people out there, especially going into like leadership development or executive coaching, because, you know, we can always make this fun. And I think that's like the cool thing to look at is it's already fun, but to take it and put it into something like Marvel or I know he mentioned Star Wars or things of that nature. Like, I think that that could be something that's entertaining for a lot of people out there. Yeah, there's so much like scientific jargon that can get lost in just articles and theses. Uh, but putting it in, in something that's, I guess, a little bit more enjoyable, um, people tend to learn a bit more. Uh, so it was super interesting. Yeah, but, uh, I think that's cool, too, because like you said, there is a lot of scientific jargon. And with all that scientific jargon, I feel like people can learn off of related experiences. So if somebody's talking about leadership, whatever theory and leadership they are learning about, it's like, oh, that happened in Captain America that's how I remember this. And then they're like, okay, now, and now it's stuck with them forever. Like, so I think that's like a super awesome tool. No. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Uh, it was a great episode. Thanks again for Dr. Azam coming on. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Take care.